Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaben, and this is your first look for this week's Palmetto Championship at Congaree. And joining me to break it all down, it's Sia Najad. Sia, welcome. Rick, how are you doing, sir? I, I'm ex- I'm actually excited about this tournament coming up, although I will tell you it feels like a little stepping stone to the U.S. Open, but we got some big names here, Rick. Uh, we 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 have one or two. Listen, one I love two. all golf. I will be consuming this thing like you cannot even believe, but it would be disingenuous if I did not come on here and say it's a pretty weak field. Now, there are some things that are interesting, and we're going to talk through them. It's a new course. There's a lot that's going to keep my attention. And see, not to jump all DFS and betting in, you know, right out of the gate here, but these are the most profitable weeks for people who do their research, who watch golf every week because you've got a lot of unknown entities. Entities and that usually helps us. Yeah. So in this case, we have unknown entities and relatively unknown courses. So there's a lot of different variables here that if you really, if you really dig in and you really know this sort of second and third tier of golfer that we typically don't see towards the top, but we will see towards the top in this particular week, um, that there's definitely some profit to be made in that betting and DFS realm. Let's step back and even figure out what the heck this tournament is. It's brand new. It is a one-time replacement for the RBC Canadian Open, which we have not seen now in two years. Still the lingering concerns of of going and playing internationally and going across the U.S.-Canada border. So this is the event that is taking its spot. It is being held at Congaree. That's a golf club in South Carolina. And outside of, we can talk about this course. It's a par 71, all that good stuff. See a, a, a new course, one that we will unlikely see again for any time, you know, for any uh, period of time, unless they figure out some way to to get into a, a more stable relationship with the PGA Tour. How do we even go about assessing this brand new entity? Yeah, that's the thing. You, you kind of have to, at least in my case, you kind of have to just dig for information because the the only way we can assess it is just by researching the the few people that have actually been on this course. And just from a PGA Tour standpoint, there haven't been many players that have played this course. You've got your Lucas Glovers and a handful of others. But I mean, from what I see, you know, this looks to be a course where off the tee games is going to be pretty important. You know, the fairways are pretty wide uh, and approach is going to be very important. The greens can be tricky and fast. So I'm taking that information. I'm developing it over the week and and hopefully I can find the the right metrics to find the right golfers. It's only four years old. This place opened up in 2017. It is a Tom Fazio design. I mentioned it's a par 71, 7,600 yards. That's long on the scorecard for a par 71. And I think the big thing around here, Sia, is that there is only one length of grass. It is 
fairway. Uh, there is no rough. If you miss the fairway, you are essentially down into these sandy areas that you'll see kind of on some of these sand belt courses of Australia, things like that. Th that's the comp for I've heard Ro uh, Royal Melbourne be issued as a comp for this course. It's it's that type of golf this week. So you're not going to have to worry about three, four, five, six inch rough out there. Right. And, and that's probably why, I mean, obviously sand play is going to come into play, but that's probably why if you can find guys that are lengthy off the tee, it's and certainly lengthy with their long irons um, or accurate with their long irons, I should say, that's really going to benefit you. So that's definitely something I'm going to be honing in on. The distance of some of these holes, the par five fourth. 645 yards there are two par fours on the front alone that are longer than 520 yards so as you mentioned being being good off the tee or being long is certainly going to be important but these natural i don't know what the, what the verbs are right you know what do we use at at kiowa versus our it, it's those sandy native natural areas that happen when you miss the fairway uh what we found see is balls can go anywhere right it's mm -hmm. on kind of on that hard pan you can get kind of stuck behind trees and it really incentivizes you of course to be playing out of the fairway just because you're you're bringing in so much volatility and risk if you are not in the fairway yeah and that's certainly what i'm going to be looking for i do think it's going to be easier to hit the fairway relative to other pga tour courses and again this is sort of a, a preliminary study that i've done and so you know this information will develop over time but yeah getting it in the fairway is obviously going to be really important i think that approach shot is really going to be important as well because i do believe the greens are tricky here uh, I believe that as well. Now, the the field for this week, headlined, uh, you could argue it's Brooks Kepka, You could argue it's Dustin Johnson. Let's start with DJ. He's the number one player in the world. He is the native South Carolinian, South Carolinian. I don't know what they go by. Jacob's going to jump in and, and, and just murder me for whatever South I Carolinian. Thank you very much. South Carolinian. And uh, by DJ's lofty standards, Sia, He's not played particularly well. Coming off a miscut at the PGA Championship, the last time he had a top 10 was the Genesis Invitational. That was in February. It sounds worse than that because he's only played, I think, nine events since then. But this is, this is a stretch of golf, a poor stretch of golf that we have not seen from Dustin Johnson in quite some time. Which is why I truly think the headliner is, and I'm sorry for being a prisoner of the moment here with some recency bias, but I kind of think the headliner is Brooks Kepka. okay? I mean, Brooks Kepka's is playing really well, which is so unbelievable because the guy's coming off what we believed a couple of months ago was kind of a major knee surgery, or at least major enough to impact him uh, during this time of the year. I mean, Brooks Kepka has been really good off the tee. He's been really good on approach. He's been really good with the putter. So yeah, DJ's at this tournament. Yes, he is the native South Carolinian. But I still think Brooks is the headliner here. And from a DFS standpoint and from a betting standpoint, I'm certainly going to be looking Brooks's way more than I'm going to be looking DJ's way. Remove all the Brooksy noise. Remove all the injury concerns. Remove, like, just, just forget all of that exists. Changed his name from Brooks Kepka to Mickey Mouse and look at the results here. So going back to Phoenix, he's he won. He won in Phoenix. He had a T38. He had a runner-up. He missed two cuts in a row, and then he finished runner-up at the PGA Championship. So you're talking about a win, two runners-up, and a T38 in his last six starts. That is, by any stretch, very good results. Yeah, and by the way, for the record, that 
the metrics bear that out. So, I mean, if, if you actually look at his, his strokes gain metrics over the last, let's say, 24 rounds, they're going to be really good. And so he's going to prove to be a, even at the high price that he's going to have, you know, in DFS and in the betting market, he's going to prove to be a value, especially in this field. So I kind of think when you're, and I, I understand this is a course preview show, but I, I think when you're, quote, starting your lineups or you're looking at your outright cards or maybe your matchups, I, I think Brooks is going to be somebody you're just going to have to take a long look at. After those two, it, it's a pretty steep drop-off. Would you agree with that statement? I'd agree because the first <laughs> names that come to mind, and I'm not looking at the roster right now, but the first names that come to mind are Terrell Hatton and Matthew Fitzpatrick, or excuse me, Matt Fitzpatrick. So, I mean, you can make arguments for them being really good golfers, but they've been very inconsistent, particularly this year. Uh, I, I don't know how fond I am of them at this tournament, but that's kind of like your next biggest name, right, Rick? Yeah, I mean, when I did my early kind of power rankings, I actually slotted in Charlie Hoffman just because of the way he's been playing. But yes, I had Matt Fitzpatrick in fourth. I had, I think I had Terrell Hatton in, in fifth. And and Fitzpatrick is interesting because outside of the blemish at the AT&T Byron Nelson, the missed cut, he's been unbelievable. He's got like eight top 20 finishes in his last 11 starts. That's worldwide. He had a victory uh, one of the last few weeks of 2020. And what seems to be interesting about Fitzpatrick is it doesn't really matter what type of course it is. See, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it, it, courses that on paper should not be good fits for Fitzpatrick. Oh, would not be good Fitzpatrick's. Now that was a stretch. Uh, close. For, it was close. For, thank you. Good effort. For, for him, he seems to play well. So I'm not even sure there is a fit for him anymore. Uh, I agree. And I'm also not sure where his game is right now, right this second. But I do kind of like him on this course. Um, and I, I do think it's more of a European tour course than it is a, a PGA tour course. So I think he probably benefits from the conditions here a little bit. And he's certainly going to rate out pretty high, especially in this field uh, in anyone's models. Yeah, there is um, there's some pretty good stuff because this is a newer course. There's some pretty good stuff on YouTube, uh, kind of like previews and what this course is all about. And you start to hear the quotes from designers or people who were intimately involved. And the the thing that keeps coming back is they want you to be able to play this course on the ground, which is something I heard over and over again. And that is typically something that benefits our friends from overseas, which you mentioned include Terrell Hatton, Tommy Fleetwood back in a- action, even a Brandon Gracia who's playing. With well, this week or last week, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, at <laughs> at the um, what event are we playing this week? The memorial. Mem- Excuse me. The memorial, and those are the types of players that you think would be able to have. I don't know the tiniest bit of edge over some of these other guys if they want. If they want to take the option to play it on the ground. Yeah, and all those people you mentioned are playing really well. You know, I'm not so sure about Tommy Fleetwood. I, I don't know how well he's playing, but he has shown some signs of life. So we'll kind of see on that one. Yeah, he made that deep run at the match play. He finished 14th at Quail Hollow, but I would not be describing his recent run of success as consistent. So we we shall see with Tommy Fleetwood. The other interesting thing that uh, we're going to get this week, Sia, is the college boys. Okay, so this is the time of year. The, the uh, NCAA championships just ended. So now all of these top-ranked players uh, who, who opt to, who want to, are turning pro and making their first professional start. John Pock and Davis Thompson are the two that I'm looking at, and we don't have to dive into their games. There's so much unknown about them. John Pack is the uh, the top guy in the PGA Tour U. Uh, Davis Thompson, I believe, is currently, well, not currently anymore, but the top-ranked amateur. Of course, he's turned professional. 
this is such a, a a weak field or a top heavy field or whatever you want to call it. Should we start be con- start to be considering these college guys or some of the guys that spend more time on the corn ferry uh, as as live this week? Especially the corn ferry. I mean, we, we talked about it at the jump. This is not a loaded field. I mean, when you get past Brooks Kepka, DJ, and maybe a few of the other guys, it really is a steep, steep decline. So I absolutely think those guys are in play. And, and for the record, that's why these can be really po- profitable tournaments because some of those corn ferry names that are not really household names or some of those amateurs that are not really household names, all of a sudden you incorporate the, it, them in your lineup because you maybe know something that, that maybe the casual observer or player does it know and then boom you know you're looking at a really nice weekend the other uh, the other college guy he's actually not turning pro cole hammer will return to the university of texas uh for his senior year but see i listen i value a good education but i think if you gave me the opportunity to to turn professional after my junior year of college i would have said uh where would you like my signature because i will do that right now <laughs> yeah and i'll say that across all sports I, I wonder if his name is going to be popular just because his name is so cool you know i mean i i think you no know, so cole hammer showed up it, when was it uh Rick, you're going to have to remind me. It was maybe five, six years ago. His name has been in our consciousness on yeah. the PGA Tour, correct? Yeah, I mean, he has been like uh, the top-ranked 14-year-old, the top-ranked 15-year-old, the top-ranked, oh, he's going to Texas. He's the number one recruit. Like He, he has been in the golf ether for, yeah, a half a decade. Yeah, So, and his last name is Hammer. How cool is that? So, yeah, we're going to have to take a long look at these guys with the really clever names. And then finally, you know, you start to look at some of the regional guys, right? For for whatever reasons, whether it's when we get down to the lowlands, you know, in, in South Carolina or Georgia or wherever, you start to hear names like Harris English, Kevin Kisner, the guys who either reside or grew up in that area. Is, is there anything to this? Should we be giving Kevin Kisner a nod this week over someone else? Are we using it to break ties or is it just straight narrative noise? Well, this is a long course, correct? So I don't know how we could possibly give a nod to, to Kevin Kisner here. But but I'll tell you, you know, Lucas Glover is very familiar with this course. He's one of the few that's played on this course. And I, I don't know how chalky he's going to be. I don't know what his number is going to be in the in the betting market. But I will say his metrics over the last 24 or the last 12 rounds, you know, sort of the, the recent, uh, you know, last five or six tournaments, they've been really good. So as far as the, quote, local guys, and I think Harris English is interesting too, a good ball striker. But as far as the local guys, I'm definitely going to take a long look at Lucas Glover. But um, no, I, I, to answer your question, I don't give much of a nod. I mean, we've had this discussion before. The playing conditions during the tournaments are a little different than when you're just kind of casually on it on a random you know Wednesday or what have you. So not a long look, but you do have to take a look if you know a player's been on this course because nobody's really been on this course. All right, fair enough. And I think that will do it. Of course, Monday, we'll be back for the full DFS preview. Tuesday will be our mega preview pod. And then recaps after each and every round this week. And actually, before we go, Sia, you mentioned it. You know, this is... Uh, you, I believe you used the fir- the phrase "stepping stone" to the U.S. Open, the last the last event beforehand. So maybe guys like DJ, guys like Brooks Kepka, they're certainly going to try to win if they're in contention. But you you feel like might be trying to work on things, make sure they're in great shape, so when they show up to Torrey Pines, they are ready to rock and roll. 
Yeah, I, and it, I, it, when it comes to Dustin Johnson, I, I kind of agree with that narrative because I think he is the guy that would like literally kind of tune up. But when it comes to a guy like Brooks Kepka, he's playing so well that I'm not worried about him using this quote as a stepping stone. I, honestly, especially with the whole Bryson. I mean, I think that I think this little controversy is sort of motivating each of them to just take down tournaments and prove their worth versus the other guy. So I would not be surprised if Brooks pulls out all the stops and tries to kill this tournament. I'll be very interested to see what the morning lines are, what the the pricing is on our favorite fantasy sites. It will be very interesting stuff. But for now, let me thank producer Jacob. He does all the hard work behind the scenes. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find on Twitter at Sia Najad. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.